With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching... FSR. This is the best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. Just a, a tremendous, ridiculous weekend of sports all overall. And we've got a, a basketball game going on now, Dan, that we start with Philadelphia and Brooklyn. Brooklyn taking game one. Philadelphia uh, seemingly disengaged. We have the cell phone issues. Believe what you will or won't about a sick daughter for Amir Johnson and Joel Embiid. Seemed like everybody was having a good time and leaving the facilities. Everybody's laughing and high-fiving. So how much you put stock into what Embiid had to say post-game? Fine. You got Ben Simmons going after the fans. You want to get a boo us be on the other side. Like, You're in Philadelphia. I know you may not have experienced this much, but somebody... Somewhere along the way must have educated you about what Philadelphia fans will do. 
if you look at what the Sixers are and you look at what they have done, Mike, this first, and it's going to be game and three quarters in about a minute as they're wrapping up the third, this seems to be a perfect synopsis of what the Sixers are as a franchise because we've waited so long for them to appear trusting the process and then they become a contender and last year make it to the Eastern Conference semifinals and play Boston close in each game of the series but end up losing in five the point being is we look at Philadelphia and we say wow look at the talent look how they've grown and then you have a GM who says you know what we need to win now and you've got a center who has injury problems. You've got a point guard that still can't shoot. So while everything looks great at Philadelphia, maybe on paper, when you lay out the names, everything is fine. But when you throw everything in there, you have no idea what you're really going to get. And I think that's what we got in Game 2 tonight. Heard Deb in the update say that there's a, a three-point lead at the, at the half is now a extended to a 20-point lead for Philadelphia where they turn it on. And that's just, you don't know what you're going to get. And maybe even some of this lead, Mike, has, has something to do with Brooklyn. Maybe Brooklyn isn't shooting the ball as well as they did in Game 1 or just we're like, all right, we're happy with a split. We'll just move on and go back home. But I still don't even know what you get with this Sixers team because they're just they're all over the place in different places. They could be the best team in the NBA if you put them on paper, but then you put all the pieces and all the other lining theories. They're, they're, I don't want to say a mess because they're in the playoffs, but they're just not connected, and that's an issue. We always talk about gelling, right, and how long it takes. And remember when LeBron James and his band of Merrymen teamed up down in Miami, how long it took, and there was some crying and moaning in the media. Uh, but eventually they found their stride, right? It took, took some time. Likewise, Philadelphia, you bring in Harris, you bring in Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler brings in his own pile of problems, you know, wherever he is, that – you know, you're not always going to see eye to eye. And we know Embiid and Simmons aren't the best of friends. You know, the running joke on this show being my best friend. Uh, I can't drag it out. My throat hurts if I do that. But the idea that they get along, but until Simmons can actually step out and hit a jump shot, you're limited offensively. And Embiid's always hurt. Like his availability for this series, you saw him in game one, got through it. Game two here, they have the big explosion, 21-2 to two run to start the third. He had a flagrant one call, throwing, a, throwing bows in the paint. And for most looking at it, including a number of people who've been around the league forever, saying, yeah, regular season, he's thrown out of the game. And there's no two-second thought about it uh, as he went into the post. But here, Flager won, and then they come out of the break, and they just absolutely bomb the Nets here in the third quarter. Well, that's like I, I love Embiid's game, and, and we've talked many a times on this network, and, and I've talked about the the gap between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I just it's not close, and I hate it when people make it close when you, you talk about the Sixers. But Joel Embiid to me is so fascinating, and even before the playoffs started, I thought of of all the players in the NBA playoffs, who's the real storyline about that LeBron is out? And I thought it was about Joel Embiid. It wasn't about Harden. It wasn't about Giannis. It was about Embiid because he comes into an interview and says, you know, I'm the I'm the best player in the league and, and on both ends of the court and what he does. But you don't know if it's always going to be there. You don't know if you're going to be looking at a cell phone at the uh, on the bench during a game one loss. You don't know if you're going to be healthy or not. You, it's you can't count on it, and that's the 
most difficult thing about the 76ers, who, by the way, just scored 51 points in a freaking quarter. Right. Like, like, like that's <laughs> that is that is exactly what they are. And and maybe it's identified by their best player in Joel Embiid because he is magnificent. He does things that no big man can do in the game that that he's the best at, whether it be offensively or defensively, and yet you just don't know what you're going to get, and that's what's got to be so gosh darn confusing and frustrating for Sixers fans and why they would boo. Well, you drop game one, and a a lot of people around the league, and I think I agree theoretically with them, of the, hey, you'd rather win game two. right? Game one, a lot of emotion. Everybody is cranked up, and we saw three upsets in the four games when you go look at the betting lines and whatever else and just the series seeding. In in Saturday's action, you had three upsets, and then now we look at game two as at least to get – the second part of things started here. An absolute blowout uh, is what we have going into the fourth quarter. 116-87. The Sixers now shooting 58% from the field. Right, 51 points in that third quarter, uh, and all of a sudden you've got an absolute burial. Mentioned Embiid a couple times. For those that missed it, maybe you were tied up with kids' duty. Maybe you were tied up uh, watching the Masters. Here's Joel Embiid talking about the cell phone incident from Saturday's game. Obviously, I wasn't on my phone. Uh, I just looked down because he said that uh, his daughter was uh, extremely sick, and he was checking on her. I don't know. I I just looked, and... uh, but uh, he was checking on his daughter. She's uh, she's she's sick. So there's Joel Embiid, and I think most most folks back off and go, really? There's not a million different ways to get that information. Even though Johnson was inactive, you know, for Embiid, he stood up as trying to be the leader to some degree in in this case. But I mean, Brent Brown was having none of it, right? Because he knows what what it is. Like this is it. Because Jimmy Butler probably isn't staying, right? I think we agree. Correct. He's, he's in. Correct. He's a Clipper. He's a Laker. Yep. He's somewhere else. So you've got a short run of this five, six man rotation that you've cobbled together, and Brown knows it. Like it, this is it. And if he doesn't win here, the process probably blows up again and re- resets. Because Ben Simmons is also, you know, clutch. Right? Magic Johnson quit. So he can go talk to more members of Clutch, uh, as we've talked about all, all throughout that lengthy process of misery that went on with Los Angeles this past week. So there's no guarantee Ben Simmons wants to be there long term and coexist with Joel Embiid. We talk about Embiid's health. I mean, Brown knows this is his one shot. Yeah, and and, and offensively, Ben Simmons is the fifth biggest worry of the Nets on defense when when Brooklyn plays defense. I mean, I'm more worried about Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick than I am about Ben Simmons. And when you look at this team, that's what that's what it just it it doesn't it just doesn't add up. We know that Jimmy Butler's gone, but then you make a trade to get to Tobias Harris, who's going to be a free agent. So you go all in for this year and trade assets and let other assets go in the offseason that seem to complement the team pretty well. And now you could be gone with Butler and who knows what Tobias Harris wants to do. It seems more likely that Harris would stay in Philadelphia than obviously uh, Jimmy Butler would. But just the point being is they're – the process is more of a plan than what they have right now, and, the, and and more of a way than it's translating on the court. And it just is, you get this mixed bag, and I, there's no guarantee that they're going to go and win Game Three in Brooklyn. I think you know if you if you're a road team, by the way, and you get the one win, I think there are very few teams to start off the series that are able to put that effort back to back 
in two straight games. Well, that's same I mean, I think intensity. Happy right. with the split. Absolutely. Go back home coming off this. Reminder, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Go to geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. Uh, in the game, Jimmy Butler, 3 of 10 from the field, just 7 points. Uh, balanced scoring all the way through. Mike Scott, the former fireballer for the Houston Astros with 15 <laughs> uh, off the bench to get things rolling. Reddick, 17. Embiid, 23. And Simmons, 8 of 11 for 18 points. Uh, quick note uh, to commemorate Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, we actually get to watch the Dodgers in studio, which is a rare and exciting event. Clayton Kershaw making his season debut. Yasiel Puig returns to Dodger Stadium. Big ceremony with Jackie Robinson's widow, Rachel, and uh, Vince Scully. Uh, always puts a smile on your face if you're a baseball fan, a Dodger fan. I mean, long associated. I mean, I, I watch for love of the game just so I can listen to Vin Scully call Kevin Costner's perfect game. Wearing the Brooklyn uniforms tonight, so it's a good look for the uh, for the Dodgers on, as you said, Jackie Robinson night. Well, you're, you're a big B. uniform guy. Exactly. The Brooklyn B, uh, 72 years today. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and 
and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Tiger Woods <laughs> wins the Masters, and well, that's it. Uh, the long drought, the almost could have, should have, two to two to three rounds of solid play, or a block of six holes here that we'd seen for the last couple of years, and everybody goes, "Oh, you remember he won all those tournaments?" No, no, no. Those are different. Majors are really all we're counting. Just like basketball players, you win a playoff round, fantastic. You win a regular season, most wins for your conference, great. Here's your participation trophy. you got to find rings. That's the way we measure things on the larger scale here in Sports Talk Radio. So I have to apologize. On Friday, Jason Smith and I sat here and broke down painstakingly. And look, you and I doing the show as we we had done for years here on Sunday, we watched a lot of golf together. Yes. Right? So I, I felt I was in a position to speak to it. And Jason certainly did. Uh, so I won't apologize for him. He can take care of that when he gets back. But for myself, that I want to apologize for Finau, for Kepka, for Spieth, Phil Mickelson spitting fire on Saturday and, and went away. I want to apologize for having faith in them that they would be able to vanquish a rebuilt 43-year-old man who basically went Doctor Strange, found some shaman up in the mountains to rebuild him and get his mind right. Nine surgeries, ten surgeries. We don't even know what the official count is of bacchiotomies and knees. and what. I don't even know if he's human at this point. He may be a robot, cyborg, Dan. Uh, but that none of those players could come up with the rounds big enough to vanquish Tiger Woods. But I doffed my cap to him because it was a big unifying moment in the sporting world, no matter what else was going on. Playoff games, nope. Kids' soccer games, many a missed. Many a church service was skipped to watch Tiger Woods, and everybody had a hug or a tear. For me, it was, wow, he put together four rounds, and you, you got that charge, right? That roar. And you could superimpose it, right? Yeah, Take it right out of the Lion roar. King's trailer. That Tiger Woods walks off with his 15th major, and now you start looking at the field going, well, how about a 16th? 
Double Beach is only two months away. Yeah, yeah. You got Beth Page next month with the PGA now changing, which helps someone like Tiger continue momentum on a course that he won on 17 years ago. This is your apology is apology that I get an apology that maybe millions should give because of of what we thought. I was like you even as a Friday. I didn't think that it was going to happen. I didn't think that Tiger Woods was going to be able. Now he was playing somewhat well, but even coming into the week, while a lot of money in Vegas was on him, I'm not sure if Tiger was necessarily in perfect form, did play well in the match play, but listen, like this this road, for all of the things that, that I've heard over the last 24 hours of, of what Tiger has done and where he came from, it's even so much, it's so much more than that, because you just rattled off a bunch of names with Kepka and Spieth in it. Not only was Tiger's comeback just for himself a big challenge, but now you're playing what is in what I believe is the greatest generation of golf as a whole, where where this this generation of players is better than any generation we had seen previously. May not give us the best player like a Nicholas or a Woods, but as a whole for the type of players that you have to beat, there's no generation that is stronger. So you have to overcome that, Mike, and being in your 40s and with all the injuries, and, and it just keeps on piling on to make what I think the 15th major win even more improbable now that it's actually been accomplished. Well, yeah, I mean, you parse it all out, right? When you talk about the generation we have now, which is directly related to Tiger Woods playing golf. Yes. In in some capacity. You can't count 100% because certainly country clubs and golf teams have existed long before Tiger Woods. But the idea that you were captivated there and didn't go into a different sport. Right, that you stayed on the golf direction and now you're professional golfers. So, we don't have that dominant force. And to a degree... It, you get into that worrisome of, all right, Tiger's back again. What happens when he fades for good, right? Who's the the face? Mm-hmm. And you've got many faces, and the sport's healthy in that regard, but you always like to have someone that you're chasing, right? Kepka, I guess, with his number of top tens and near misses, probably becomes that guy to a degree right now. I'll, I'll, I'll use tennis as a perfect example because I have no idea where the women's game is going to be once Serena Williams steps aside. I have I have no idea on the the popular you know how popular it's going to be but i remember when sampras and agassi stepped aside and wow what's going to happen with 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 tennis and what's going to happen with the next stars and those were american stars and now all of a sudden you see you have this era and this this trio of federer nadal and then djokovic coming on later i think that's something that you can see but when you're talking about greatness and great players there's no one person that's going to replace tiger and yesterday was another example of it of just how big of a story it was and and with everything that went through we can hold off on this talk now i was even driving home and like okay tiger wasn't going to play the pga tour champions how long can he play? We got at least another ten years of Tiger. He'll play to his, you know, fifties now. Phil Mickelson's almost fifty and is still trying to to track down majors. So yesterday's win, I think, now gives us another an, another boost of okay, Tiger's not going to disappear if it doesn't happen in the next two or three years. He's going to be around for a little while longer after that. Well, now that he's been rebuilt, bigger, faster, stronger, right, with the number of component parts uh, and surgeries, and certainly the work ethic. Hearing the tales of how long it takes him just to stretch out ahead of around is is really something uh, of a whole other world but you know what you had was people going back into the personal business which you know you know my feelings we have the drop of me mocking the hey it's tiger call from the cell phone because 
that that's his business. And nowadays, and Bill Plasky and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, in light of what else we've seen in the sporting world and what now becomes part of what we have to report on and discuss on Sports Talk Radio, I mean, I remember going home in, in tears and hugging my kids after reading all the Penn State stuff or Michigan State and all that. Like, that's that's real world. I mean, not to dismiss what was going on in, in his house, but, like, that's his house. And it became public, and it became a big deal, and people felt they were defrauded off a family image or whatever, and they still hold that grudge 11-plus years later. So you have those folks. You have the the medical marvel of all the surgeries and, and the comeback, and how did he do it? I'd love a documentary to watch the training process. And when we get to it now, and I think what resonated so much is that there's a humility involved that was never there. There's a person rather than what Tiger was when he was at his zenith with Earl Woods that I think brought everybody back to the table and made it that much more of a, hey, let's all gather around and watch you know, the 43-year-old guy, those that go out on the weekends and play or those who are still dealing with injuries from when they did that you know brought everybody back to the mm-hmm. table for a moment. There's Tiger's, Tiger's slumps on the course happened in the public eye. Everybody saw him flubbing chips and shooting 82. That all happened to the public eye. We all saw that. So then when we see him come back and be the golfer that he, the player that he once was, that's what made it all the more special. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Look, Tiger, Tiger Woods really took over the last 24 hours. Social media, sports networks, everybody yeah. rushing to get to print on their latest magazines, whatever the case may be, the morning talk shows. And you mentioned the match play a couple of weeks ago, and I had actually talked about that in a, a little bit on the Sunday of the idea that I like that both he and Rory McIlroy came away kind of salty about that weekend. That, that there was some unfinished business for both of them that maybe was going to propel things going forward. If nothing else, maybe they talk about each other a little bit in the press. I'm always looking for some angle, right? Which is why when Phil Mickelson went after Kucher and his drive up to Augusta for round three, I mean, that just resonated <laughs> on so, my, so many levels, right? Yeah, going going back, for those that missed it, yeah, for those that missed it, it was a great quote uh, going back to Kucher winning the tournament in November, his $1.2 million purse, and then tipping his fill-in caddy five grand, and the golf community and, and everybody just tipping etiquette in general, saying, what are you doing? Uh, so eventually made restitution. But Phil Mickelson, notorious for wanting a little bit of side action during his round, said, well, paired up with Kucher, so there's not going to be any of that today because I'd only see 0.06% of it. <laughs> Go back and do the math on all that. Uh, but he goes, I do like his caddy. And then he talked just very frankly about you know statistical analysis done at Augusta. I hope that ushers in a whole new age you know, and, and it became about Tiger after that. But for Saturday, as they teed off, like, all right, Phil Mickelson gave us a little insight. How do you look at this? And how are you using data? And, you know, even Tiger joked, hey, Phil's getting into the gym more often. Yeah. So this this could go on for quite a while. Well, Phil, even throughout the week, was was trying to tell anybody that he saw, it seemed like, that he was hitting the ball, um, that he was, he was hitting the ball pretty well. He was putting it out there, and he just had to take advantage. Unfortunately for him, it didn't happen uh, through the weekend. But... Tiger did, and and it wasn't that Tiger went out there and scorched uh, Augusta National for a, a 64 like Tony Finau and and others did on that 
on that Saturday, it was Tiger being Tiger and Tiger actually being patient and doing so in a in a dominating fashion. And that was what was so intriguing. And you mentioned the match play with Tiger and Rory. They, they get along really well, but I think it was an opportunity where Rory saw Tiger win at the Tour Championship, was in that group, saw firsthand what happened. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes neat. And then all of a sudden, Tiger starts playing better and now you're wondering, am I, is this happening to me now? Now is the stuff that I cheered for when I was younger, is this happening to me? And I actually think that's what happened a bit to Tony Finau yesterday. Sure. And Francesco Molinari, for as great as he was at Carnoustie, wasn't great at all yesterday. And in fact, he needed a bunch of par saves early on in that round to to even keep him in it before he put it in the water on 12. And Tiger wouldn't have been in that last group if not for the threesomes, which I think is, is going to be an interesting footnote 20 years from now because normally you go off in pairings, and if it was in pairings, Tiger wouldn't have played with Finau and he wouldn't have played with Molinari. Those two would have played together in the final grouping. So there's something to that, and it's something that... Maybe not every player is going to be affected, but I think that the players that he's played with have been affected by, wow, that's Tiger Woods, because their games just haven't matched up to what they had done previously in those same events. Well, you thought the legend was dead, and now you're honored that he's back on the course. You're happy that he's healthy to a point. Yeah. To a point, right? We saw open celebrations on 16, the two holes in one. I was happy to be on air as those went down. Those were just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there was talk of a $50 bet from um, the from earlier in the week of putting the ball near the pin, Justin Thomas and, and Tiger Woods, that maybe that's how they, they knew how to play the big 60-foot putt. That was a saver for him as the rounds went on as well. Well, I think it's interesting, as you mentioned, the people going crazy for the hole-in-ones on the 16th. Normally at the Masters, and really normally at golf tournaments, the crowd is going crazy when there's great shots hit by anyone. But yesterday was a road game for Francesco Molinari and Tony Finau. Sure. Because everyone wanted Tiger. And so it's not that they were actively rooting against Molinari or Finau, but you can't help think that they don't want you to win when you hear the Tiger roars. And Dustin Johnson said it as much, and it's been talked about a lot at Augusta, is there's a difference between a regular roar and a Tiger roar. And Dustin's like, I knew what Tiger roars were. And so that also creeps in. And the, and the, the aura of Tiger Woods and, and that, you know, you think that he's one of the guys because all of these young guys look up to him and they're out there ready to shake his hand. But when you're in that arena, a little different story. No, and that's that's one of the big things that goes through, right? They hadn't experienced it. They watched it on TV, and here it was, live and in living color. And even Tiger, with the early start time, we talk about the, the regimen to stretch and get ready, said, this doesn't feel like Augusta. It just didn't. And then by the end of the day... Yeah, I think it yeah. probably felt like home once again. The throngs, the masses, and and everything that went along with it. You could see that that comfort down the stretch. I mean, you, you mentioned his round, Dan. I mean, he had, what, five, six birdies and four bogeys uh, in his final round. And that's enough to, to finish the job. Yeah, and one of the bogeys was just to make sure that you won the tournament. You know, don't do right. anything stupid. The other point that I think is funny is, what's the old adage that we always hear about the Masters? The Masters doesn't begin until the back nine on Sunday. And as you look at how it transpired and what Tiger 
did and what Molinari did at 12 and what Finau did at 12 and what uh, Brooks Kepka did at 12. A lot of truth to that. And that's how it played out yesterday. And all of a sudden, when Tiger put it on 15 on his second shot in two, that's when it, for me, Mike, was like, wow, he's really... Yeah, this is this is got a really good shot of happening, and it did. Excited to get things going as we get into the majors. Now, eighteen looks like it could be in play I, once again. I'm going to tell people to slow down a little bit, okay? Because Tiger uh, just slow down on Relax. eighteen. We waited so long for fifteen. You may want to get the sixteen first, okay? Let's slow down on eighteen. Just slow down just a little bit. But the legend's not dead, Dan. There's still <laughs> life. Know. There's still Everybody breath. Everybody wants to skip 16 now, and 17. I know, I know. I'm not looking to yep. skip it. I just, you know, I had buried it. Like, I put it in a box in the backyard. Uh, it's like Pet Cemetery. It's been resurrected. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's play the feud. The Fox family is together. Mike Harmon, Justin Frostberg, Alex Dyser with the Big A, and Deb Carson hanging out as we have the top eight answers on the board. Okay, this is what I want to know. The eight men who have served in the position as the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers in the 2000s. Okay, in the 2000s. Eight in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. we're going to start off today alphabetically. So, big A. Yeah, that's where it goes. Nicely done. We start off yeah. with, with Alex Tyshirt. Top eight answers on the board. The eight men who have served as the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers for at least one game in the 2000s. I was going to say LeBron James, but I think that's <laughs> Too soon. Wow. Uh, There's a reason why you're going first, big guy. (laughs) Give me uh, Phil Jackson. Oh, Phil Jackson is a good answer. Did he make the list? He sure Woo! did. Is it not, the playoffs yet? Yeah, not only once, twice. Uh, well, two there you go. Hello. In the 2000s. Let's go over to Deb Carson at the anchor desk. I'll go Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni. Oh, yes. The <laughs> the mustache and yeah, all. Unfortunately. Was Mike D'Antoni the head coach of the Lakers? There he was. Over to Mike Harmon. How about Mike Brown? Ah, the Mike Brown era, which I think is one that is forgotten. Show me Mike Brown. There it is. Three for three so far. Looking for the eight men who have served as the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers in the 2000s. Of course, the Lakers are looking for a head coach. We looked at Justin Frostberg for another answer. Well, since they always keep it in the family, Dan, let's go Byron Scott. Byron Scott. Nicely done. I cannot remember... One game from the Byron Scott era. Not even one. (laughs) Show me Byron Scott. Yes, there he is. He has made our list four for four. There is a pass available as we make it back around to the big A. It's Why are you looking just, at me, Dan? It's just a coincidence that I bring up the pass, and the pass is where I reveal an answer with that person, but nobody else can use that pass throughout the game. We it's love you, just Alex. It's coincidence, No, Alex. it's okay, Dan. Total coincidence. And I'm not going to use the pass. Give me the Bick man, Bernie Bick. <laughs> wow. No, that's Wait a little deep. How does he remember that? Really? Do you have Ara looking up Lakers head coaches? <laughs> I can neither confirm or deny that. <laughs> that's a Tom Looney oh move right goodness. there. Wow. Show me Bertie Bickerstaff. 
Yes, there he is. I think five games. I have I a wealth of Laker knowledge, yeah, Dan. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. How do you do. not go Luke Walton Are we going to have to oh, Roger right. Goodell and have you turn over your phone to us? Is that what's going to happen? My phone is destroyed, Dan. I'm oh, sorry. All right. Over to Deb Carson. So far, let me let me recap who's off the board because we're five for five. Phil Jackson, Mike Brown, Bernie Bickerstaff, Mike D'Antoni, and Byron Scott. I'm going to go Rudy T. Rudy, Rudy Tomjanovich. Oh, go. yes. That was another great era. Show me Rudy T. Yes, he is on the list. All right. Six for six. We are pitching a perfect game over to Mike Harmon. I'm going to go with uh, the goggled one who's wielding a lot of power now. Figuring Phil Jackson missed some games due to health. So, Kurt Rambis. Show me Kurt Rambis. Oh, oh. It was he just sat there? It was, yeah, just sat That's there. That's too and bad. His tenure came, I believe, it before Phil came along in 1999. Uh, figured he had at least a game in him. First strike, two answers left. Let's go over to Justin Frostberg. Let's go, Luke Walton. Luke no, Walton. Hey, well. Yeah, there it is. There's the uh, there's the obvious one, the new head coach of the Sacramento Kings, Shane Luke Walton. All right, it comes down to this. There is one <laughs> game left. The big A. Dan, that was my trump card was Luke. I have no uh, idea oh, now. No. Okay. Can I just pass and uh, just not phone answer? A friend, well, yeah. The, the, the phone pass a is now gone because oh, there's boy. only one there's only one less. So you have to you do have to give us a name. You I'm do. gonna say LeBron James. LeBron James. Does he have Technically. the head coaching title to his name? No. I like not that it. we know of. I no. like the cut of your jib. I'll tell you what, Bernie Bickerstaff and the name that was remaining a good were the la- were the two that I didn't think we would get. So, Come on, the big man. Yeah, yeah, the big the big man as <laughs> the you big call man. him. All right, Dev, it's up to you. I was, uh, it was a brief era, early in the uh, decade. We're talking about how about Frank Hamblin? If this is right, we have won the feud here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's be frank. There, yeah! there you go. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At National NBA Rider Insider at the LA Times, our buddy Dan Wojcicki at Dan Wojcicki Sports, literally three to four minutes ago on Twitter, just spoke to DeMarcus Cousins about recovering from a serious injury. Words like depression, misery, humiliating came up. It's your fault, Wojcicki. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I kind of put this back into the ether, I think. You know, um, I had the chance right before the playoffs to sit down with DeMarcus. Um, he was promoting uh, a documentary on Showtime that kind of sort of like it uh, you know just followed him through his Achilles recovery and through free agency and 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 I just think that you know those types of injuries especially for people who have never been injured before they just mess with your head so much right like I mean he told me and this was something that not that I experienced the same thing but I had uh, I, I tore my my ACL in a high school basketball game my senior year and like I you know you needed help showering because um, you, you couldn't get anything wet couldn't get the stitches wet because of infection and stuff like that. And it was a really humiliating thing. And this was, you know, with his Achilles, like he needed help, like getting in the shower. He would wake up at night, need to go to the bathroom. And by the time he would get his crutches and get balanced and stuff like that, be wide awake. So he wasn't sleeping, you, you know, and, and, and I think um, getting over those mental hurdles. And this is a guy who um, has had his share of mental hurdles. I think mm-hmm. is a fair sure. way to put it. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, when he goes out of the ground, that's the first thing I think of is that if this is something bad, and, and you don't know, it, it might not be, um, it very well could be, um, you know, you, my initial is like, is how's his head going to possibly get right in the short amount of time that is left in this playoff season? Because um, this is going to be a hard recovery if he misses 
you know, a couple months, or I'm sorry, a month or something like that with the quad and, and comes back later in the playoffs. I, I don't know that he can psychologically get there. It just seems like a really hard challenge for someone who just went through so much. Well, with free agency on the horizon again, too. Again, right? yeah, yeah, for the second time, yeah. You know, and, and it's just it's just awful luck. Now, do I think a quad injury like this, I mean, um, you know, I think he proved that he, he was back from the Achilles, but the, the tricky thing, and I've seen this with other guys, who've gone through Achilles injuries, I saw with Chauncey Billups, um, you know, essentially ended his career, uh, is that, you know, once you come back from the Achilles injury, the next thing you have to worry about is sort of everything else that's attached to it, right? Is you worry about your knees, um, your ankles, your quads, your hamstrings, all these other muscles that have, have, you know, not atrophy necessarily, but have like, you know, they've taken on sort of different roles in recovery. And then you worry about the other, like, are you overcompensating? And it just always seems that something else comes. There's always another shoe to drop with the, with an Achilles injury. It's not just come back from the Achilles and you're 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 fine. Um, it just always feels like something else could happen. And he had kind of avoided that. Um, you know, obviously when you see him go down today in a non-contact situation, uh, you know he hasn't avoided it as much. You know, I I always thought, and this was the the tough thing about when I saw Cousins go to Golden State. On paper, it looks magnificent, but I felt both yep. had different goals. And I'm curious, has this season planned out the way that he thought it would pl- uh, pan out for him? Like, does this has the plan gone? Has everything gone according to plan for Demarcus Cousins at Golden State? I mean, I think Steve Kerr would tell you it has exactly gone to plan. Uh, yeah, you know, and from from the Warriors' standpoint, this has been perfect. Right? Is that they didn't have to rush his recovery? Um, you know, they could kind of. Um, part of, I was going to say sort of limp through it, but they can move sort of slowly through it. <laughs> sure, sure. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't mean to be a jerk. We would have given, no, you, that was good. given you points yeah. for that. No, yeah. that's we right. That Here, uh, yeah, no, we like puns and snark, Dan. You know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I feel guilty <laughs> right now. Um, but, no, I mean, I think that's like, you know, it worked out well for him. Now, for, for DeMarcus, I think um, I would say how much of it works out depends on two things. It depends on um, the results of this injury and sort of what happens with the next deal, you know, because I think that was sort of the goal, right? Was to go prove you can win and then go get paid. And um, certainly I think he proved that at least in some ways he could play winning basketball, but, you know, obviously if he's not doing it in, in the deep into the playoffs and stuff like that, it's not as meaningful and, and, and you don't feel like he's a winner in the same way, like winning kind of got some of the stink off of a player like JaVale McGee. Or something like yeah. that, right? And, um, and even and Dan, but, even the addition of I'm sorry to cut you off, but even the addition of Andrew Bogut was great for the Warriors. But people are saying, "Well, what's wrong with Boogie Cousins that you need to bring Andrew Bogut back from Australia?" Like that that wasn't even well, positive. Think, for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like you know he's volatile, right? And in the playoffs, I mean, volatility is not a good thing. I mean, one of the, the biggest strengths for the Warriors is the fact that they have so many different players um, that you know it all it kind of like counterbalances and calms itself. You know what I mean? Like, if it's not a Steph night, it's a clay, if it's a clay night, and if it's not a clay night, maybe it's a KD night. Um, like, they just have so many options, and I think that, that kind of levels everything out. And, and, you know, like, DeMarcus sort of disrupts that um, because he's such an outlier emotionally. Like, I mean, that's an emotional, emotional player, right? Like, mm-hmm. capitally, like, 
he's like the equivalent of like an emo dude from like the early 2000s as a player, right? He's, he's bright eyes out there or something like that. And I, I think, you, you know, Bogut is someone they know, someone they're comfortable with. Um, and it, you know, and I think too, it's, it's just another big body. Um, Cousins getting into foul trouble. There's, you know, um, fatigue concerns and all that stuff just because he hasn't done it for a while. So I think that was part of it. Obviously now it looks brilliant. Um, because they have a center available to them. I mean, look, they lost their starting center early this season. Damian Jones um, was the guy that, that they kind of penciled in, um, you know, while Cousins was gone. And, and you know, he, they lost him to a shoulder injury for the season. Uh, Looney's done a good job. I think I, I don't have it in front of me. I feel like he was like a plus 60 in, in game one. Um, you know, a pretty effective player. Was pretty good last year against Houston in one-on-one situations. Um, it's just another, they can just play so many different ways, and that's just kind of, I think, I feel like that's sort of what they always try to do, is they just want to be as complete as possible. They don't need any of these guys, right? I mean, um, these are all added luxuries, it feels like, for, for them to kind of do what they want to do. Sure. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, Dan Byron for Jason Smith on the hotline with us. National NBA writer, insider at the LA Times. It's Dan Wojcicki. You can find him on Twitter at Dan Wojcicki Sports. And you're in Toronto. Uh, the ugly Toronto Game 1 shows up again. Yeah. Kyle Lowry disappears. Uh, people in Toronto wringing their hands, wondering if it's an early exit and that decision on Kawhi Leonard comes fast i think they're a little more confident in this team than than in the past i think you know the fact that it's it's this is like sort of seemingly an annual thing for them in game one um i mean it pretty much is an annual thing for them in game one uh you know to, to fall down in a series that they've been in this position before and they look at this team and that this is a team that's sort of built for the long haul um, so I think there is some confidence here. Uh, and we saw, you know, earlier did what Philly did at Brooklyn, how easy sure. the series can swing back to 1-1. Um, I will say this. Orlando, um, since February, has been a very good basketball team. Um, February 1st, they are in a like that top tier of teams in terms of wins, in terms of, you know, I think they have the best defensive rating um, in the NBA since then. This is a team that seemingly sort of found itself and found its way to win. Steve Clifford is a tremendous defensive coach. He looks just like Hank Schrader from Breaking Bad, which I appreciate about him too. Um, you know, I don't know if he if he homebrews or not. He might, um, but but I think you, you, you know. Um, I, I wrote a story today about him and, and talked to him a little bit, and it's just sort of the way they've done it with this roster and the way they've done it with you know these guys is like very early in the season they said look we can win when we do x x and x and over the year it sort of played out and they have proof you know i mean they're a team that if they hold you to 100 points like i i think i should have the stat right in front of me but i think they're 22 and 4 or something like that you know um that that's just the kind of style that they have yeah 22 and 4 in the 26 games this regular season where they hold held teams to 100 or less um you know and i i think we saw in game one that they can defend toronto um, they did a pretty good job. They've got a lot of length. They have a lot of athleticism. Um, they have some very smart defenders. Now, do they have enough offense to win the series? I don't think so, but I think they've got enough defense to make it kind of a pain in the butt on Toronto. Steve Clifford reminded me of Jerry's friend in the Seinfeld episode of the Kenny Rogers Chicken. That is friend that oh, is. Oh, yeah. 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 That's who he reminded me of when I would always uh, see. Sorry. Leaving uh, no pop culture references yeah, yeah. on <laughs> uh, unturned. Yeah. Kenny Rogers, Roasters, yeah, Hank Schrader. That, uh, good luck, <laughs> Dean Norris. Bad chicken. On Claws. Bad chicken. That's right. Bad chicken. <laughs> That'll mess you up. That's who, that's who Steve Clifford <laughs> reminds me of. Hey, is Luke Walton going to work in Sacramento? 
I mean, I know he's going to work as their head coach, but is it going to work yeah. out for Sacramento? He's working there. I'm positive yeah. he'll be working there. Um, no, you, you know, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see because this is sort of um, – it, it almost sort of feels like – year three with the Lakers kind of just move north a little bit like a, like a universe where LeBron James doesn't exist <laughs> and sort of their young players all take these natural progressions and don't get injured. This is sort of the team he would have had, right? It is sort of the exact same roster where you've got, you know, a young, but you've got two young, exciting players and Buddy Heald and, and De'Aaron Fox instead of Lonzo Ball and Ryan Ingram. Um, you know, you can kind of see what he does with the team that he's supposedly going to grow with as a head coach. I have a lot of respect for Luke Walton for what he accomplished in Golden State. I think, um, you know, the notion that that was just sort of autopilot, I think when, when you know sort of the personalities involved in that team, um, and you know so, so, sort of how fragile some of those things can be sometimes. I, I think what he did in that season when Steve Kerr was dealing with the back stuff was, um, you know, I mean, it was Steve Kerr's coach of the year, but, I mean, it, it was Luke Walton. Like, he was terrific. Um, ha, what have I thought of him as a Lakers coach? It's I, I think it's still, if I had to grade him, I would probably be incomplete right now. And, and I don't think we really know for sure. Um, I, I was a little surprised at how quickly he took a job um, just because it kind of, in talking to people around the league, it sort of feels like, all right, well, he's going to get one more real chance, right? And, and if he doesn't succeed there, then he might not get his name called again. And he, and, I mean, he was fired for less than 24 hours. Um, so I, I think that was interesting. But it does feel like Sacramento is, a, you know, of the jobs available, they're right on the edge of the playoffs. I love De'Aaron Fox as a player, one of my favorite in the NBA. Good guy, seems like seemingly like the kind of guy you, you could have be sort of the face of your franchise, the face of your team. Marvin Bagley came on very strong last season. Harry Giles is a guy that is a really skilled player. And, and you know, they've got a score shot maker and Buddy Heald. There's a lot to like there. They've got some cap space. Um, they're they're going to be an interesting team. They're going to make a playoff push, I think, next year. And if they do, I think we'll we'll have a better idea of what kind of coach Luke Walton is. Fantastic stuff, as always. National NBA writer for the L.A. Times, our NBA insider, Dan Wojcicki. You find him on Twitter at Dan Wojcicki Sports. Read his column up on Boogie Cousins. And also, I mean, he's either going to do the auxiliary characters from Seinfeld or Marvel characters uh, as the NBA playoffs continue on Equate One for One. How about that, Dan? Uh, it'll be Seinfeld. I don't read comic books, guys. Come on. <laughs> All right. maybe, you can, maybe you go take a nap in the movie theater like I do. Thanks so much, Dan. Yeah, go enjoy enough. the series. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at First Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.